0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 477th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments to get your daily reading from me and other writers over at onceametro.com and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Chat room is open. (coughs) Excuse me. Come on in. You can discuss amongst yourselves if you like. We have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Um I have to say something about this past Thursday. As everyone knows, MLS came back in the local markets right away after the uh MLS's back tournament ended in the Walt Disney World Resort complex over at the Wide World of Sports Complex, um, just outside of Orlando, Florida. And, you know, Give MLS credit for what they've been able to do. Give MLS credit for how they were able to get these things uh, in working order. Because you know the truth is, is that without their vision, without the vision of Don Garber and of course uh, the the hierarchy of the uh, front office to make sure that we are all in a bubble, the testing is being done, all of this, all of that, everything's being done the proper way we wouldn't have had the positive success of the return of the league in that tournament. of course, Portland Timbers winning the, the, uh, CONCACAF champions league spot for the 2021 season, depending on if this 2020 season of the champions league will continue. Let's not forget. We still need LAFC to play a first leg match and then everyone else can finish, can do their second legs in the quarterfinals. um, So now that everyone is back in their own local market, the question is this. The question is, what happens now? Is there still going to be a bubble? Is there going to be some form of a bubble going on? Or will these practices of the being safe and distant and, you know, making sure these matches get played, will we still have, situation in front of us and so far at the moment it looks like we're doing very well with it it looks like testing has been uh, mostly negative with some of the with these players they are testing negative right now so in some sense that is a positive because players are being tested and the results are negative and I, of course I have to say that correctly so I don't cause any confusion I have to say being back at Red Bull Arena was awesome, but it was also being a bit strange at the same time because the situation that we saw with no fans in the seats, no supporters groups in the South Ward, no ESC, Empire Supporters Club, no Viking Army, no Garden State Ultras, it was... Strange what else was strange well I me and the rest of the media were not sitting in the normal press box usually the press box at Red Bull Arena is right behind the players benches We are connected towards the uh, uh, the locker rooms and of course in the uh, the big luxury boxes on that side of the stadium of Red Bull arena. And all I can say is is that being in the upper deck on the far side of the stadium, it was somewhat strange. But listen, I didn't complain. I didn't start a a problem. This is what it is, and this is what it has to be to make sure that everyone is safe and everyone is good. Because what we need to understand, quite simply put, is this, is that we cannot have an issue – Going forward and restarting problems. We can't. We cannot have a situation where we're having issues with coronavirus, especially in the Northeast. Especially here in the Northeast. We've got to make sure we stay strong and vigilant, and we remain that way for a while. So all I can say, folks, is this. All I can say is, is this, is that I think it's been a very good job so far with the league of what they have done. And we just have to remain vigilant and strong. We just have to remain vigilant and strong of what is going on with this pandemic, and we cannot, I repeat, we cannot have this continuing on. We cannot continue to act like this thing is over, because it's not. Too many things have been going on with this pandemic. Too many situations has been, unfortunately, unfortunately, put us in a position where We cannot go back and have an issue. It's just not feasible. It's just not possible. We must remain vigilant. We must remain strong. We must remain in a positive light and in a positive manner. That is the only way we're going to be beating this thing. You know too too many times we have been watching the news and i believe me i don't want to put politics and sports into the same level here we can't we can't it makes no sense it is an absolute disgrace the way that politicians have put this entire virus in a political position. It's disgusting. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. It does not matter what side of the aisle that you believe in. The truth is, both sides have been very disgraceful. And this is why This is why I get worried and nervous when politics comes into sports. I understand we all have to have a stance on something that goes on. We all have to believe in something. We all have to make sure that the message is sent clearly. But once again, here's the issue. And this is not about people be all well, you know how can these people be against this idea because this is what America is about it's about freedom of speech There are people who will disagree and it's healthy to have a debate it's okay to disagree at times but at the same time we cannot be stupid about it just because someone who decides not to wear a mask. Then let them get it. But if you wear a mask. Good for you. I'm wearing my mask. I've been wearing my mask every day. Because I want this thing to be over with. So that everyone can follow suit. We can't have politicians. You know. Give Mixed messages. And that's the only problem I'm having here. Mixed messages. So far, Major League Soccer has been uh, on the forefront, the front foot. They've been ahead of the curve. They are the ones that have done the job the, the correct way. They have done an amazing job. And they deserve to be applauded for that. They deserve to be applauded for that, because they know what the problems are, what the problems are, and so far, they have taken advantage of the situation. Everything that we have seen has been fantastic everything we have seen so far has been brilliant and I for one am very happy and satisfied that MLS has done the job that they needed to do to not only control this virus but at the same time to get back into operation. You know, When we're trying to celebrate 25 years of MLS, I don't think we ever thought this whole coronavirus problem was ever going to be a part of the issue here. And so far, I don't know if it's put a damper on certain things, but I'll tell you right now, It's a position where we just have to make sure that things are taken care of. We just have to make sure that certain things are taken care of and that we need, we need to remain strong and vigilant so that we can make sure this will never happen again. This has been, in my opinion a fantastic job by the league to control the situation a fantastic job by the league to make sure to make sure that we will continue to make positive strides and make sure that MLS will continue to thrive and that's all I'm saying, folks. It's not, you know, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. We just got to make sure that everything is going smoothly. We just got to make sure just got to make sure that this stuff never happens again. And that's all I'm saying. We've got to make sure that once this whole crap is over with, we'll be back to where we should be. We've got to make sure that we remain strong and vigilant and that none of this will ever happen again. And once that happens, we'll be fine. Once that happens, we'll be back to where we are, to where we started from, and that everything will be just as solid as it was before this whole crap began. Once again, we're in a pandemic. Once again, we must remain strong and vigilant. Once again, we must make sure, must make sure that this entire virus is done and dusted. It's completely over and done with so we can move on and get back to our lives and be back to normal. We have to get back to normal. Have to. Because if we're not, we're not, no one's going to accept this whole so-called brand new normal. All I can say is this, guys. All I can say is is this. Is that we got to remain strong and vigilant and just remain where we are. That's all we can do. Move forward and just take it easy. That's all we can do right now. And I think at this point in time, that's all we can do. Now. Let us go ahead. Unfortunately, I have no guests tonight. Uh, I did plan to have guests tonight. Unfortunately, I uh, could not get them on the phone, and one had could not make it, so we'll have a later date for that guest uh, sometime next month, and uh, it should be really quick. Um, so let's quickly talk about this real quick. Watching here locally in the uh, New York, New Jersey area, we have New York City F seats hosting the Columbus crew at Red Bull Arena. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Red Bull Arena. Very simply put, because their landlords and part owners, the New York Yankees. There's no time for the Yankee schedule to give them an opportunity to change the field from – the infield dirt, diamond dirt, into the lush green soccer field, sort of, that they are forced to play all their home games at a proper football stadium in Red Bull Arena. All I can say is to everyone, you know, yeah, you're New York City's club. You play in the city but you don't have a home for the city. know, I don't have to repeat myself. It is a failure of the highest order where Major League Soccer brought in a New York City soccer team, a second New York City soccer team, a New York City area soccer team, without a real home, a real development of a stadium plan, and no matter how many times NYCFC fans are going to hear that, oh, we got rumors coming now. We're going to have a stadium. Oh, we're going to build a stadium here. It's going to be built near Yankee Stadium. It's going to be built uh, over at the uh, at the site we were originally going to have it at. Yeah, you know, plenty of fodder, plenty of rumors. Oh, we're going to have a stadium. Uh, wait one second no you're not because we never said we're going to sell the land how many times have i said about new york city you're never going to build anything proper in the five boroughs well maybe maybe staten island but the point is you're never going to get anything in the bronx in queens in brooklyn even in manhattan you're never going to get something permanent it's never going to happen and the mayor of New York City will never allow it to happen because you want to know why because the truth is he's a dumb idiot all he cares about is watching the city burn besides that though do you think If you found the land – if they found the land already, you're going to allow non-union construction workers to build the stadium? Non-union construction workers to build the stadium. Don't look at me. It's in the papers. It's all over the internet. You can look it up yourself. You can Google it. Everyone does. I mean how stupid can you be? How dumb can you be that you're going to bring in non-union construction workers to build a stadium? Give me a break. That plan to build a stadium without the proper union construction workers and construction companies in this city, to say that, yeah, we don't care about you. We're just going to have build it uh, ourselves, and we're going to build it with with people that uh, we know who are not part of this Uh, United States a part of New York City you know that you're supposed to be the city's team and you're not you're playing either in Hartford Connecticut you're playing at the campus of St. John's University formerly a football stadium now of course a soccer stadium you are playing in New Jersey at Red Bull Arena So what does this mean? You might have to build your own stadium in New Jersey. You might have to build it in a a plot of land that's in New Jersey. You're supposed to be in New York City, but we're from the city. So what are you going to do? you Are going to play at MetLife? Play at Columbia University's football stadium? Meanwhile, you know, (laughs) Rocco Camiso is a, uh, you know, a Columbia grad. You're going to play in a stadium that has his name on it, on the stadium for soccer over there? Hmm? Give me a break. Look at at least what LAFC has done. They I mean, you know, they waited for their game to be finished before they even start playing. Look what they did. They did it the right way. But what do I know? What do I know? I don't know anything. MLS has done everything right. Only the thing they've done wrong is bringing in a second club without a real home. And look at the cosmos. All their lives. Not just in the North American Soccer League, the first, the original North American Soccer League, now the second coming of the North American Soccer League, and now, of course, NISA. You know, they're playing in Hofstra. They're playing out in Long Island. They're playing in Brooklyn at the. Uh, MCU Park, where the Brooklyn Cyclones are. I mean, for goodness sakes. Where are, where's their home? I mean, they haven't said they're going to build a home yet. I know they would love to. But at least, at least, they know better to announce something if there's nothing concrete Plans that are going to go through. So that's basically what I'm trying to explain to everybody here. Right now, of course, at Red Bull Arena, New York City FC nil, Columbus Crew nil. Tonight, no fans, only media. Yes Network broadcasting from the the broadcast booth up top at Red Bull Arena. It was kind of, I know I went off track a little bit, but still, though, it was kind of weird not to have fans there. It was also a little weird to have crowd noise being pumped uh, through the speakers at Red Bull Arena. But that's what's probably going to be from now on until we get back to having fans coming back in. Until then, you know, we just got to be strong, remain strong, remain vigilant, and just move forward. So let me just say this right now. If anyone wants listening uh, live, that they want to call in, the uh, phone line is open, 646-929-1823, 646-929-1823. Phone lines are open. Um, I'll just do that on Twitter now. So we'll just see here. And... You know, we just hope uh, if you have any questions, please give a call. I want legitimate questions. I do not want any fraudulent, dumb questions. Soccer, period, that's it. I will hang up on you if you're going to become a jerk. We're not going to have that. Anyway, as we uh, continue to talk about this whole situation, let me just say this. As we move forward now, uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying draw was done last Wednesday. Here's my problem with World Cup qualifying draw. I don't have a problem with the groups being drawn. I have no problems with the setup or anything. I think we've gone through that already. My problem is that CONCACAF did not give proper time to inform everyone when this draw was going to be done. CONCACAF did not give the proper time of when this draw was going to be done. I You know, you you go on their website, you go to Googling, you go to their Twitter page. The only time they ever said anything was a tweet that said in five minutes. And of course, you missed that because, oh my God, how come, how come there is no announcement for the World Cup qualifying draw, the first round, the scheduling for the second round, the scheduling for the third round, for the final round. Who's going to advance to those three spots in the final round? Who? Who? Where? When? How? Why? It's just unbelievable. What? goes on in CONCACAF, you know, you, you, you talk to, you know, qualifying for Asia, World Cup qualifying for Africa, World Cup qualifying for South America, World Cup qualifying for UEFA, they tell you, they give you the dates, you can Google it, and they say to you, this is when World Cup qualifying is going to happen, because FIFA this year did not do a qualifying draw show, they didn't. So that means it's on the confederations this year to do their own World Cup qualifying draw shows. Oh my God. And it's just unbelievable what's going on here. It's just unbelievable. I mean, you know, what's, what's it going to be? When's it going to be? Well, for UEFA, it's going to be this coming November. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, it will be in Switzerland on the 4th of December. It was supposed to be on 2000, 2019. But... You know, the draw is going to be this coming November. I mean, you know, for goodness sakes, is it so hard? Is it that hard, CONCACAF, to give out a qualifying draw? Date? Is it that hard? No, we're going to do it now. In five minutes. What? Wait, what? You can't announce that to everyone else properly. Give enough proper time, and here's even the worst thing of, of all: you want to watch the actual draw itself. It's not enough for me. Not enough for me, honestly. That I get, uh, you know, a sheet or a news report to say here are the here's the first round gr- uh, groups. Here's all. Six groups of five. Here is the World Cup qualifying rounds for CONCACAF. Blah, 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 blah. So I have to, I want to look. I want to see it. I want to watch it for myself. I want to feel like, okay, I've watched it. I've done everything. You know, I like to think uh, that everything is fine, it's all copacetic. I'm going to be able to watch it. So every time I go to CONCACAF website or go to the FIFA site, CONCACAF preliminary draw for FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Go straight to YouTube. And then as soon as I get to YouTube, it says video unavailable. This video is not available. Why is this video not available? Why is it that it says here relive CONCACAF preliminary draw for FIFA World Cup 2022? through FIFA TV and I can't get it. I can't relive it. I can't I can barely relive it because I never saw it originally. What is going on here? Why is Conc- why does CONCACAF have to be so secretive about this? It's a World Cup qualifying draw. The preliminary draw for qualifying for three and a half spots. Where is it? Why is it not there? Why are you not posting it? I I, I just don't, is it it a bad connection? Is it a bad link? I don't know. But it's just an absolute farce, an absolute disgrace that this confederation continues to run its its business secretively when all we want, every nation wants this, all we want, confederation that, has, that is honest, transparent, and we are rooting for this confederation to be better than what they have been in the past. Is that too much to ask for? Is that so hard to ask for? Victor Montagliani, I know you represented Canada. I know you're the president of CONCACAF, but the truth is, why are you still listening to those who are trying to keep your confederation secretive to everyone else? Why? Goal and what purpose does that serve the confederation that serves its members the constituents and the supporters and the people of this region why do you continue to allow secrecy to remain in this confederation we are praising you because what you have done so far with this CONCACAF Nations League that helps qualify for the Gold Cup has been spectacular also helps for World Cup qualifying for your own personal rankings. We know that there are five or six, five to seven nations that are members of CONCACAF but are not members of FIFA. You know they get a free chance to play in the Gold Cup. That gives them an opportunity that makes them feel like, hey, we're part of the World Cup, even though we're not a FIFA member. Problem. We want the Champions League to be better. We want the CONCACAF league to be better. Obviously. We all know that the two dominant confederations is UEFA and South America CONMEBOL. We know this. Does that mean that CONCACAF has to be in the doldrums? Does it mean that we have to be like the third best confederation and sit in their shadows of UEFA and and KonMibol, do we have this CONCACAF to be in the shadows? If you continue to act like this, yes! We know what goes on, what FIFA does after World Cups, and every single member gets a good slice, a good chunk of the money that's been paid to watch the World Cup from one nation. But the truth is, is that it's getting tiresome. Of the stupidity and the secretiveness of CONCACAF. We all know what's going on. We all know what the situations are. Come on now. Let's get it on, man. We just went through the whole thing with FIFA, CONCACAF, the uh the money you know, the money laundering issues, what Chuck Blazer did. What is the problem? What is the frickin' problem right now? What what is there to hide? Do you not want to see one of your nations win the World Cup? I know. USA Mexico, these are the only two top nations that we have. In the middle, it's Costa Rica, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Panama. Their improvement, they're improving. The island nations, some of them are improving, some of them are not. I just saw a report: Puerto Rico has now uh, fixed. They're they're changing uh, their their style, their system, their everything. They're restructuring everything. They're trying to build stadiums now, Puerto Rico. They're trying to do uh, you know better teams. They want a better structure. They want to go forward now. I mean, what is the problem? We know Jamaica is streaky. Trinidad and Tobago is streaky. Yet Trinidad and Tobago was once probably not so much a powerhouse, but a tough nation to face. And now they've been reduced. Jamaica is a hit or miss nation. Not everything has to be Mexico USA. Canada now has stepped up with their Premier League. But still though, what is the problem? What is the problem? I've had an I mean this is ridiculous. This is just absolutely ridiculous. If you're not going to be transparent, you're not going to be honest with your constituents of this confederation in every single part of the north American of North America of Central America, and in the Caribbean, then what 's the point of having you run run it the way you're running it now? Look, we all understand this is not UEFA this is not South America this is not Europe. we understand that, so do you have to pretend to be something you 're not, or do you want to put your foot? front of you, and go forward. What is it? Tell us what you want. Tell us what you're looking for. Tell us what you want to be. But don't all of a sudden pick up your head out of the sand and go, oh, by the way, we're having our preliminary World Cup qualifying draw. Get your act together, please, CONCACAF, because I'm getting sick and tired of this, so let's go forward, shall we? I'd like to think so. All right, so for some of you that have not seen the groups that, have, uh, that will start in the first round, Group A will consist of El Salvador, Antigua and Barbuda, Grenada, Montserrat, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. El Salvador, of course, automatically getting the top spot in Group A because of the of – the, uh, July um, seeding. The rankings in CONCACAF, they get the top spot. Canada will be in Group B. They will be in a group with Suriname, Bermuda, Cayman Islands, and Aruba. Group C, Caracao, Guatemala, St. Vincent, Grenadines, Cuba, Cuba, and the British Virgin Islands. Group D, you have Panama, Dominican Republic, Barbados, uh, Dominica, and Anguilla. Group E, Haiti, Nicaragua, Belize, St. Lucia, Turks and Caicos. Group F, Trinidad and Tobago, St. Kitts and Neves, Guyana, Puerto Rico, and Barbados. Excuse me. I will go ahead to Group F, and I will say this Right now, I believe that St. Kitts and Nevis, who has been a, an improved side through the years, they could give Trinidad-Tobago problems because Trinidad-Tobago is a very streaky side. They should be dominating this group. They should be moving forward. I believe it could get down to the wire. And even though St. Kitts and Neves will will be playing the first four match days out of the five to them, to put themselves in that position to try and unseat Trinidad and Tobago. When it comes to group E, Haiti has improved, but I wouldn't put anything past Nicaragua. They could sneak in. So right now I'll give it the group to Haiti, but Nicaragua could sneak in. Panama, Really no problems here. Taking on Dominican Republic, it's an easy victory. Barbados, maybe some issues. Dominica, Anguilla, maybe Barbados. But the truth is, I think Panama is the strongest of the five. They should be able to advance. That's Group D. Group C, Carasal, what they have done in the Gold Cup back in 2019. A lot of praise for them. Do not put anything past them. But Guatemala, even though they've been through their own little hell with their suspension, the truth is is that Guatemala is going to be the ones that could give Gerasau issues moving forward. So right now, I would say Gerasau, but Guatemala could sneak in if they do find a way to beat them. Canada should not have a problem in this group. Serenum, Bermuda, Cayman Islands, Aruba. The truth is I don't see any of these nations beating Canada for that top spot. So I think Can I believe that Canada can advance into the second round. I think they should be able to advance into the second round. Group A in the first round, El Salvador. You know, call me crazy. Even though El Salvador is probably gonna be a nation that's gonna be difficult to face. I believe, I truly believe that they'll advance, but let's be honest. There could be a dark horse in Antigua and Barbuda. You never know. I just don't trust Grenada. I don't trust Montserrat, U.S. Virgin Islands. They're not strong enough. But, you know, if you're looking for a dark horse, I would say Antigua and Barbuda. You never know if they'll sneak in. And, of course, they get to the second round. Group A winners taking on Group F winners. Group B winners taking on Group E winners. Group C winners taking on Group D winners. And then whoever wins their second round matches will be joining Honduras, Jamaica, Costa Rica, the U.S., Mexico into the final round. And it should be interesting to watch this. It should be interesting to see what's going to happen. But I have to tell you, But right now, as I've said, Group A, I'll say El Salvador. Group B, definitely Canada. Group C, either Caracao or Guatemala. Group D, I would say Panama. Group E, I'll say either Haiti or Nicaragua. And Group F, definitely either Trinidad and Tobago or St. Kitts and Neves. Those are my picks to either advance or be an upset special. In their respective groups. It's a lot better the structure than what it was originally. But we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. We're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen. And we're just going to have to wait and see how these things are going to play out. So we'll just have to wait and see for that. Um, and now. Let's go ahead to the Red Bulls. They uh, came back, taking on New York City FC. Good performance. I would say a solid performance against New York City FC. Only two shots on frame. Both stopped by Ryan Mara. And uh, a great ball by Kyle Duncan. Sean Johnson makes a mistake. Flubs the ball. Enough pace in that ball to roll towards the net. Some are saying it wasn't a goal. Some are saying it was a goal. I believe it was a goal, not so much because of where Johnson put the ball on the goal line or stopped the ball on the goal line, you know, to me, and I agree with some people, there should be cameras inside the post, inside the posts. There should be a camera inside the crossbar. We should see... We should see what is going on down in the net than just those camera angles. The low angle, the low angle camera angle, the low camera angle that shows was that the ball just trickled over the goal line, seeing a little bit of green, just a little bit of green, to me, says that it was a good goal. The entire ball did cross the line, and that Sean Johnson's not stopping. It. And even if you didn't see the green, I still contend that Sean Johnson's left arm, even though it was over underneath the ball and under the law and above the line. There's enough to say that the ball was already inside the net anyway. So that's all I can tell you right there. Sean Johnson tried to do enough, could not, and the Red Bulls gained three points, and now they are in third place with ten points. Three wins, a draw, and two losses. For the New York Red Bulls, a solid performance could have been a little bit better, but once again, without fans, it was a it was a solid victory for the home team that calls their home Red Bull Arena. So all I can say is is that it is a solid victory for them, and once again for NYCFC, they head back to the to the Bronx with the loss. So here's back with audio now for Red Bull supporters. Here is Chris
2: Armas. Think about it. 28 days, I think since our last game and, and, and there's a lot of time. Um, I think what I've seen in 28 days is, is a, is a real team that, that sticks together. uh, And and we look every day to just, you know, the 1% better. Um, But we addressed a, a few things and, you know, our principal showed up on the day. Um, we looked like a mature team in, in moments to, to kill the game off, and against a really good New York City uh, team, we gave I think seven shots in, in 90 minutes, which shows that we're understanding how to, you know, the roles and responsibilities of how we want to defend. And so, listen, I think it's a it's a big three points, um, a derby match victory. Really proud of the guys again. The subs came in. Um, did a I think a really good job to come in and understand and meet the demands um, at the moments that they did. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of good performances, so it's a good team win.
3: Okay. We'll open up the floor to questions. First we'll go
1: with Anthony Merced and then we'll follow up with Sebastian Padella. First, Anthony. Hey Chris, uh,
0: congratulations on the, on the win. Um, Not, not to go, Immediately into into the negative, but we're not seeing a lot of goals from the forwards. Is is there a bit of frustration um, in the team in regards to that, or what what are you hoping to do to, to get goals coming from the forward position?
3: Well, we
2: you know Danny Royer gets a really good chance in the first half, and in the second half we create a a few really good looks. Um, you know, any time a team uh, sits back. And plays in you know with five in the back tonight they did Cincinnati does and you can watch Champions League and we can watch teams around the world that uh, even Barcelona has to- difficulty at times breaking down a, a low block um, and Man City right we see them sometimes and it takes some some probing and some quality so listen it's we're a team that's that's built for transition. Um, and we're going to keep getting better at how to, how to break down shapes like that. Um, so we it was pretty clear tonight, right, from New York City, five, three, two, two strikers try to catch us on the counterattack. but Aaron Long and Tim Parker, like almost like two men of the match, I mean back there just put out putting out every fire. So, listen, you know, scoring goals is never an easy thing, and especially in a team that's so deep. But um, we got some good practice at uh-huh. it tonight, and I'm really proud of the, the, the effort tonight. I mean, it's. There's, there's not many negatives um, that, that I can find
3: right now. Next up, uh, Sebastian. Chris. Chris, congratulations on the victory tonight. And uh, I want to ask you, uh, how far do you think you are for be hundred percent, basically, and uh, talking about the, the field game and the field. Yeah, look, I think that our team is
2: is. We have good fitness. We're, we're It's still early in the season. I think we finished the game strong. I think we utilized the substitutions the right way, and guys had the right mentality to come on and meet the demands. And, again, for the last 20 minutes, we didn't give up much, and it felt really mature from our team. We started using the ball for possession uh, and controlling things that way, and we ended up uh, creating a, a few good chances. Um, and I think the substitute. Kaku came in and did a good job Tom Barlow and same with Manny Egbo and Omir Fernandez so look it's early in the season we're, we're again proud of the effort tonight from the guys and uh, yeah it's been 28 days of, of real work and every day
3: plugging away next we'll go to Ben Bear
4: hey coach uh, on Kaku I was just wondering uh, what was the thinking behind and sitting on the bench tonight Well, he he only
2: sat on the bench for a little while, no? Starting on the bench, sorry. Uh, We started Jared Stroud um, more of a, uh, like, thinking the the beginning of this game would be a lot of counter-pressing and second balls, uh, high energy, and and I think we were right about that. We got out fouled, I think, 17-4 to on the night. It was a very combative game. Uh, The plan was to use Kaku all along off the bench, and when the game opens up a little bit and we can hurt the opposition, he comes in and creates a few really good looks. So... You know, we have, we have guys that we believe in, and, and different games are going to call for different guys. I think we got that right to, right tonight in a pretty convincing, and for me, we, we – I mean, New York City, they have a lot of good attackers, and they can catch you in transition. We, again, uh, two shots on goal in 90 minutes, it's a, it's a good job by our guys. Thank
3: you. Next we'll
2: go with
1: Dan Forstein. Let's just talk about Kyle uh, for a moment. Uh, how much improvement has he shown you since the season began, I know the little blip between uh, the beginning of the season, the tournament, and uh, coming back with this match against NYCFC. How improved has he been for you guys? I think Kyle Duncan uh, is is
2: he's improving all the time. You can see it um, that he commits he commits to the way we play, but he's attentive in, in video sessions and um, in the games, which is the the biggest teacher at times, he's he's been given opportunity there and he's run with it. His one v one defending is very very good. Um, you know he's really got to got got good at moving his feet without fouling, using his arms, um, and I think you can see he enjoys getting forward. Um, so we're really happy with Kyle. He's uh, he's done really well and he fits the system really well. So um, it's another good game for him.
0: Next one, we want to Uh, Uh, congrats again on the win. Um, on the same vein, when you see what uh, Jason Pendant is doing, um, do you see him like really melding with the team? Uh, what what are you looking for mostly from him going forward? Um, you know, is he really competing uh, with the rest of the line, or is 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 he secure in his spot?
2: Listen it. I think with Jason and Kyle, um, we have Manny Egbo and Patrick, our outside backs. We have we have a good uh, options there. We have an intensity of Patrick Segrist uh, and competitiveness at a high level. We have the savviness and some, some good experience in Manny Egbo and a and a good passing ability and very strong defender. And then we have speed on the on the flanks with Kyle and Jason. That's I think. Uh, you know, maybe their strengths. And, and on the night, we had a really fast back line out there. So with the different, you know, player qualities that, that we have in some of these guys, it gives us some nice
3: options.
2: And, you know, it's, it, we take one game at a time. I mean, Jason Pondon, he, he really just got here. So understanding, you know, MLS, the New York Red Bulls, our style of play, which is a, puts a big demand on, on defenders and outside backs, but he's so willing to learn every day. He's so willing to to learn. He's a good young professional. Um, these are the players we love to work with. So he's, you can see that he's growing all along.
3: Guys, we have time for
1: two more questions. We'll go with Anthony Mercad first. Hey, Chris. Um,
0: so this was a big game for Ryan Mara. Um, not only did he play well, but it's also um seems like it's uh. The, uh, the end of a long journey to, to get back to that starting um, position. Um, what did you see from him in this game and uh, how important do you think it was that he played so well today?
2: Well yeah, I saw Ryan make a few big saves, you know and he this is not so easy when you you know you're, you're always at being asked to be connected to the game. Um, with our high line that we play always ready for the direct play that that, that was the tactic for New York City on the night um, so and then of course it ends up being a, a couple of saves that you're going to need your goalkeeper to make and, and and he does but I think the first corner kick that we conceded he comes out makes himself big and and, and I think uh, you know he he confidently catches the ball I think that's sometimes you know it's, it's a good sign for a goalkeeper um, I've said this there's competition in, around the team and, and it is in that position and it's uh, really important for Ryan as he starts um, getting games right that he, he you know to step into the role it's always important there's, there's, I've said it there's no greater reward for a player uh, besides playing well so that he leaves the, the field with that under his belt in a really big victory for him. How he feels about all this, you can ask him, but I'm I'm sure he's thrilled um, in a derby match to pick up the victory.
1: And that is uh, Chris Armas, head coach of the New York Red Bulls, talking about the victory. And uh, once again, it's a 1-0 win for the New York Red Bulls over New York City FC. Let's go to the man that scored the game-winning goal, and that is Kyle Duncan. Next, we'll move over to Anthony Merkett.
0: Hey Kyle, congratulations on the on the win today. Um, I had to ask you, what is it like? Um, it's a very different environment for the New York rivalry. Um, what what did it feel like with um, without any fans there, and um, how did you keep yourself motivated before the game? I mean, um,
4: we as the players, we know that when we go on the field, we just stay committed to the game no matter what. No fans, fans being there. It was actually pretty peaceful without fans. (laughs) Um, But I would have rather fans, but it was just pretty good, you know. Still a great environment playing against New York City FC. Um, You know, you already know, like, they come here to play, and it's always a big rivalry. So we just left it all out on the field, and we'll go after it again when we play them again. Next we'll
0: move to Ben Bear.
4: Hey Kyle, uh, what was going through your mind when uh, when the ref went to the to, uh, to the monitor to check out uh, the, uh, your goal? Um, I was actually saying this isn't a goal because I thought it was on the line, um, but I was hoping it was, <laughs> and it, it came came to to the result that it was a goal, and I was pretty happy in the moment, you know, because. I just feel like like we, we were putting everything out on the field and we really deserved that goal, you know. Um, like Jason. Jason put that um cross into the box. Um, Danny went up for the header, he didn't win it, but all those things led up to me being in that spot and I was in the right spot to just get that volley off and Don Johnson just he just spilled it, you know. And oh, oh it's pretty good. We'll go
3: with Dan Fuerstein next and follow up with Ice Glarsop.
1: Kyle, how much improvement have you had uh, before the season began, of course, before all the craziness that's interrupted uh this twenty twenty season? How much have you been, you felt you've improved your play defensively and offensively?
4: Um, I think it's actually the same as when I started the season off. Um When I started the season off, I played against Cincinnati, which I came out with an assist and a goal. Um, And I thought that was a pretty good game. Also, a team game was pretty well played. Um, Then we went to Real Salt Lake. We played there 1-1 at Real Salt Lake, which is a hard place to play with altitude. So I feel like we played really well there as well. And um, being that You know, we took these couple months off. I feel like we needed these couple months, you know, to just um, regroup and just take a look in the mirror and see what we need to work on. And now that we're back here, you know, it's still the same um, mentality. Go on the field, you work. You know, this is your job. If you don't play well, then you get kicked off. If you play well, then you keep moving forward. And that's that's the mentality I have. That's my have. We'll go with
3: Ives next, and if there is a final question, we'll go after that. If not, we'll wrap up. Hello. Uh, I had a question about uh, Ryan Mirror actually. Uh, coming into the season, you know, there was, there was a lot of expectation about him taking over for Luis. He gets injured. He's on the bench to start the year, um, and now he comes in here, and he obviously shows, again, the quality that he has. What, what What's it like playing with him, and, and what what'd you think of, of just seeing how he handled that whole process? Because, obviously, I mean, you yourself, you know, how tough it can be to be on the bench and and deal with with issues like that. I mean, what what, was that like just seeing him kind of handle
4: that? Yeah, I know how tough it is to be on the bench, but at the same time, I feel like um, patience comes with everything, you know, and I feel like Ryan is very patient and he waited for his moment. And today he got that moment and he shined. And I'm glad to see him back on the field, you know. He's a great leader. He talks to me every day about just perfecting my game as much as I can, and I listen to him because he's one of the veterans on our team.
1: So it's great to see him back on the field. And that is Kyle Duncan talking about uh, his play, the goal he scored, and uh, talking about Ryan Mara, how happy he is that Ryan Mara is back out on the field and, of course, back starting in goal for the New York Red Bulls. Talking about Ryan Merrill, let's go to him right now. Of course, I already asked him the question of, you know, being behind Luis Robles for these last many years. How does it feel to be back out there and starting? And great answer from him.
3: Yeah, yeah just on a personal level, uh, it's been a long time coming, you know, obviously waiting behind Luis. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was tough at times. But, uh, you know, just tried to keep a good attitude, keep training hard, and and just be, being a good teammate over the years, I think that's that's so important. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, uh, it's a big game tonight for us. We were disappointed coming back from Orlando. We felt like we didn't we didn't do ourselves justice, uh, you know, with a couple of bad performances down there. And so, to put everything right tonight against uh, NYCFC, uh, our big rival, it's huge for us. So we're thrilled with three points, the shutout, and we just want to build on this from here on out. We'll follow up with uh, Anthony Mercad and then Sylvana. Uh,
0: congratulations, Ryan, on the on, on the performance tonight. Um, you know, the the start of this year was um, a little bit maybe early, similar to some other years, an injury, and then uh, David Jensen played really well. What did you do in the meantime uh, while you were recovering um, to keep your mind on this day and potentially getting back on the field as a starter?
3: uh yeah uh it was it was brutal man you know I, I felt like I had a great preseason uh and then the second half of the last game uh of the preseason against Kansas City I just tweaked my groin and I knew it was nothing serious but I just felt you know I'd waited so long for this spot uh and it was so close to me uh you know with the first game the following week and then to you know pick up a little injury was devastating I, I was crying I'm not ashamed to say it. I was crying walking off the field just because it meant that much to me and uh to be so close and then to have it kind of pulled away from me was it was upsetting man you know i'm a grown man i had tears coming down my face walking off the field but you know all you can do is 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 take it one day at a time and it wasn't easy at first you know and then i get back healthy and i'm on the bench because dave played very well and you know i just tried to be a good teammate tried to support him uh push him and and, and each day show up to training and just compete and uh, and try and get better each day so if and when my time did come I'd be ready and you know now looking back the last couple of months I'm happy I did that because you know it feels like a, it all paid off tonight so about it hey um, so
0: let me give you your your moment to really shine you know being a boy from the Bronx too uh, being able to face down in my CSC really claim a uh, new york for the red bulls again uh what does it mean
3: to you in in this moment yeah it's huge for me you know uh i think it shows in in every game that we're two teams that we, we don't like each other you know we've had some battles now for the last five six years and and they're always great games they're always intense very competitive and and listen we knew tonight that they'd be desperate i think they're they were one and four coming into the game tonight So a lot of times a desperate team is a dangerous team. But in a way, we were desperate also. We wanted to get that bad taste uh, of Orlando out of our mouths. And, you know, we just wanted to put things right. And, you know, we know we got games coming hard and fast now. And it's Philly and New England next week and then D.C. And it's all our rivals. So, you know, it's one game at a time. But we're hoping to build on tonight. Uh, We'll rest up, recover, and then it's all eyes to Philly on Tuesday. Let's turn next to Sebastian Medella and then follow up with Ives Galarso. Uh Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I lost my... Ryan, congratulations on the victory and uh, your great saves tonight.
4: And uh,
3: I just want to ask you, sometimes it's an ungrateful position being goalie because the forward missed the goal and maybe nobody's going to remember, but Tonight, Sean of to make a, a huge a huge mistake and uh, give you guys the victory. How you can explain the, those kind of situations the goalie always has to be dealing with because the net is right behind you and the goalie mistakes always pays a, a lot? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough position. Um, I think it's one of those positions you're only as good as your worst play in the game. So you can play unbelievable for 89 minutes. 90th minute, you make one bad play. They score, you lose one nothing, and it's all your fault, kind of. And that's just the reality that we have to live in as goalkeepers. And, um, you know, I think you can get a little paranoid out there because you always have to assume the worst-case scenario. So uh, it's tough. Yeah, it's not an easy position. That's why they say all oh, us goalkeepers are kind of crazy, I think, probably for that reason. Um, but any time you get a shutout like tonight, you know, that's, that's the name of the game for us. So, uh, yeah, hopefully a lot more to come now.
1: All right, that's Ryan Mera talking about. The Go ahead, Ice. Oh, okay. Uh, hey Ryan, congrats
3: on the win tonight. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, so obviously, it, it wasn't the greatest tournament for you guys down in Orlando. Um, but right off the bat, this game it looked like there was an edge there that wasn't there in Orlando. I know some of that'll be the Derby, but was there a sense that you know? There's some guys, that maybe they look back at the film and thought that was just not good enough, and they had to bring bring it once they got back home. Was there that sense Like we had to? It just wasn't good enough down there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think everyone we all had to take an honest look at ourselves and realize that it wasn't good enough, um, and that you know now with this restart, games are coming fast, and you know you look at our our first three games tonight, NYCFC at Philly, and then at New England, so. Tonight was a huge one for us because Philly and New England are tough places to go play, and you know we knew we needed to get the win tonight. Uh, obviously, it's always a uh, little uh, icing on the cake beating NYCFC, but uh, yeah, coming back from Orlando, man, we, we were pissed off. There's no other way to put it, and uh, you know we felt we had something to prove to ourselves, to the fans, to the league, um, and I, I like to think we did that tonight.
1: So that is Ryan Mara talking about his performance as the New York Red Bulls once again defeat New, uh, New York City FC by final of a goal to nil. Uh, before I say goodbye, apparently this just popped up. Bruce Arena was uh, suspended for one game originally because of uh, very, very poor language to the referees at the MLS's Back Tournament. And now... The league has decided to add an additional suspension, two games additional, and issued a $15,000 fine by MLS Commissioner Don Garber for unacceptable an conduct and use of inappropriate language. The league announced today. Earlier today, Arena had already served a one game suspension after being shown a red card for con- confrontational. Uh, conduct and offensive language directed towards match officials in the Revolution's 1-0 defeat to the Philadelphia Union in the MLS's back tournament round of 16 game back on July 25th. So he will miss not only the Tuesday night matchup against DC United, but also against the New York Red Bulls on Saturday, August the 29th. So we'll see what happens to the Red Bulls in that one, but Bruce Arena gets a lot to put him over the top to being, uh, you know, disrespectful, but still though, there's a situation that uh, needs to be handled, but still though, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to me tonight. I know no guests uh, had guests planned. Unfortunately, we're not able to uh, come on the show, but next week I'll try and get you guests as fast as possible, but thank you very much for listening to me tonight. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. This is the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show on blogtalkradio.com. So long, take care, Bye-bye, and please enjoy your football. Good night, everybody. Take care, and bye-bye.